News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, Hey, listen, we were talking uh, right before that about uh, last break about leadership. And, uh, and, and let me just tell you, so there's conflicting reports about that. Where, where is President Biden right now? Now, and I say conflicting reports because I did see one on Fox earlier today that said it had been announced that uh, President Biden was returning from his vacation early. Oh, good for him. Returning from his vacation early from Camp David, uh, which, okay, I'm going to go ahead and say this up front. I know, before you troll me on social media, before you call in and say, Phil, everywhere he goes, he's got communications capability. I do know that. I do know that quite well. Remember, part of my monologue a little while ago was on the optics also. When the troops see you headed to the place where you're more relaxed and kicking your feet up, even though you still have a situation room, it does not mean near as much to them as knowing that you are in the command center uh, and doing the job uh, you know, with, with, with everything you've got. So it's a big difference. And, and the optics of it are right now, the, even the White House was calling it his vacation. Uh, so he came in, he gave a 20-minute speech after days of absence, and then he walked, he literally turned around from the podium like he was mad, uh, which I guess he was, you know, shut his notebook, turned around from the podium, walked away without answering a single question, literally walked out of the White House, back onto Marine One, and flew back to his vacation. What? Knowing full well what was happening at that point, it wasn't like he, it wasn't like he didn't have a clue. He knew exactly what was happening, but he went back to Camp David anyway. I mean, it, listen, it's not like the President of the United States has to go back and pack his own bags, all right? It's not like that at all. He literally had no reason to go back that we can tell. I don't get it. There's a reason why he's sandbagging. There's a reason why he's, he's being so quiet and laying so low. I don't know, man. I'm speculating. I'm trying not to go there and be Mr. Conspiracy Theorist. But what in God's name? I mean, you're the president of the United States, and allegedly you're robust and healthy. Remember that time when he rode his bicycle uh, for a photo op in the, uh, in the, in the campaign? So, uh, so what's the deal is, is his health gone bad and he's trying to stay out of the public eye is he is he just worried to death and he's having anxiety or is he just clueless i don't know but then we got conflicting reports back at the white house and then boom this morning we get another one and this one came off of where was this the hill it says white house aides on tuesday said they did not know when president joe biden would return to washington dc after he left monday Jen Psaki announced she's not sure when he'll return to the White House. She said, the president will return to the White House. I don't have an exact time for you, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said to reporters. Psaki did say that Biden would do an interview with ABC's George Stephanopoulos while at Camp David. Okay. So the report I saw on Fox indicated he would come back to the White House and do the, re- do the interview here or hit there. But we're seeing in this report that he would do the pre-taped interview with Stephanopoulos at Camp David. And by the way, the, the address was meant to be uh, more along the lines of uh, why it's a good idea for you to get a booster shot for COVID and less about what's going on in Afghanistan. I guess he feels like he's pretty much already spoken to Afghanistan. But nonetheless, that's the conflicting stories we have about his location right now. I, I'll be honest with you, I spent several hours, I do every day, getting ready for the show, going through news stories, printing the ones that I want, compiling different stories that kind of relate to each other, you know, uh, finding things that I can use as supporting uh, documents for other stories that I'm talking about, preparing my monologue for the right side wave for every day, all that stuff. And I don't recall seeing anything that tells me where Vice President Harris is. Not, not, nothing. Not a bit. And so, you know, here's the thing. What is the impact uh, right now to all of this. 
because it's starting to unravel, y'all. I'm sitting here looking at an article in the Daily Beast. Yeah, I go to all of them, let me tell you. But the Daily Beast is a liberal piece. They're, 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 they're not going to they're not going to wind up being the one that is typically, you know, picking on the Democrats. And this, the headline is Biden's big plans for America just blew up in Afghanistan. That's where we are right now. Hey, Copper, you got that clip. Uh, let's, 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 let's hit that clip of, uh, of president Trump. So last night, folks, I'll, I'll lay the groundwork for this. I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to try something new. I haven't ever used uh, clips before, but we're going to try this today. So last night, president Trump was on Hannity. All right. And, 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 and literally just addressed flat out this whole thing about President Biden saying, well, I was stuck with a deal that was left for me by the Trump administration with the Taliban, and I had to go back. Well, he undid every other thing that Trump's done. Every executive order he's done has been aimed at undoing whatever Trump did. But for some reason, he believes he was just stuck with that one. Well, let's, let's go ahead and, Copper, let's go ahead and play that. It's like a 45-second soundbite from President Trump. Let's go ahead and play that, and then we'll dissect it a little bit. We would have hit them very hard. Again, the words are conditions, plural, conditions-based. It was a, an agreement where, actually, we wanted to get out by May 1st, and they violated the agreement, so we didn't. It's a great agreement from a lot of different standpoints, and frankly, Biden didn't have to even go by that agreement. He could have done. Look what he's done to the border. We had the greatest border, southern border, in the history of our country. We stopped drugs. We stopped human trafficking. We stopped people from coming in, prisoners from coming in. Now you'll have, I mean, you have the worst people in the world. They're emptying their jails into our country. This is like the southern border, but it's handled even worse. Nobody handled the southern border worse than him. We had the most secure border we've ever had. Now we have by far the worst border we've ever had. Well, Afghanistan is the exact same thing. All right, so there you have it. Uh, exactly what I just said a moment ago. In fact, I hadn't even had a chance to hear the whole clip. I just knew what the contents of it were, were likely to be. And, uh, and, he, and he says it right there. Uh, good job, Copper. I'm pulling that down for me. So um, what, what you've got there is the president, the former president, saying, listen, we had a condition-based plan. I wanted to get troops out of there by May 1st. And by the way, I'm a veteran in Afghanistan. I also know the war has to end. I'm, I'm, I was ready for the war to end. I don't, I don't want other friends and family members having to go there. But, but let's, let's talk about this rationally. How you leave a war zone, like I've said several times this week, how you leave a war zone is just as important as how you got there. And so we're sitting here now watching this debacle unfold, and President Trump is saying clearly what others have been saying as well. No, we had a conditions-based plan that would have allowed us to extricate U.S. forces by May 1st as long as the Taliban kept to their side of the plan. And conditions-based means we watch, we wait, we see, we, we, you know, we trust but verify, I guess. And then he said clearly exactly what I just said. Biden didn't have to follow that plan if he didn't want to. But what did, what did President Biden do? He, he changed it. He just put a calendar date on it. He wanted to make it more symbolic. He wanted to move out a little bit from that May 1st date because he didn't want to appear to be doing anything that Trump had planned. And he wanted to get closer to 9-11 so he could say, on the, on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, I have ended the war. Well, how do you like it now? We're going to have troops there for a while, uh, and we got four or 5,000 of them on the ground as we speak. So the Daily Beast says, 
And I won't spend the whole show on this situation, but I got to tell you, I mean, I'm watching right now. Senator Tom Cotton is, is wearing it out right now on Fox. Just before that, though, there was a live press conference with uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and uh, uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs Mark Milley, two men who I called on earlier this week to resign. By the way, I'm not the only one who called on them to, to do so. Uh, Rob O'Neill, uh, the, the Navy SEAL who shot bin Laden, uh, has also called on the same thing. Uh, several people have said if there aren't heads rolling sometime soon in the Biden administration, then, then, then they are truly either feckless or clueless or both. Well, the Daily Beast is literally saying, and here I'll quote from it, the chaotic scenes from Afghanistan have shattered President Biden's carefully constructed image of a leader in charge and experience in foreign affairs. Yeah, I'd say it has. Presidencies often get derailed by events not of their own making, but Biden owns his willful refusal to heed warnings from the CIA and Joint Chiefs on what would happen with a precipitous withdrawal. Clarification there that he was being advised by his senior leaders and, and top advisors to, to do this carefully. And, and the interesting bit is that Kamala Harris was making hay about, you know, back in the day, her statements were, I was the last person in the room with him when we made the decision to go ahead and, 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 and just pull out that full withdrawal. Well, she's not talking now, is she? But listen, it's, it's, it's closing in on him. I don't know uh, how the president's going to stand up under this. Will he recover from it politically? Is he going to wag the dog with something else? I mean, obviously, in the middle of all of this, and, and granted, I do know, by the way, that politicians can do more than one thing at a time. I mean, you're going to wind up having more than one situation. It appears, though, that he has multiple crises at any given moment. He could just pick one. He's like, I got a buffet, a vast cornucopia, uh, a plethora, if you will, of, of crises, and, and it's, it's awful. Let me bring it home for you, though. Here's something that I do think needs to happen here in Alabama. I think it's real important that we hear from Governor Ivey sometime soon. Now, she's the governor of Alabama, so I'm not saying she needs to comment on foreign policy. She can if she wants to. I know that most of the time issues of foreign policy are, are outside the purview of the state governors, and I get it. But in this case, I will say this. Literally hundreds of Alabama National Guardsmen have served in Afghanistan. Whole units have, have deployed to Afghanistan. Uh, and she would do well to issue a statement assuring them that their service has been noted, that it was exemplary, and that it was appreciated. It, it's that's part of the leadership of the state. She is technically the commander in chief of the Alabama National Guard. And so I'm just going to urge right now, if anybody can hear me in the in the uh, in the uh, Ivy administration, y'all would do well sometime soon to issue a statement that says, hey, Alabama National Guardsmen, in spite of all that is going on, we want you to know that your service was exemplary and that you are appreciated and that there is zero failure on your part. Because we have guardsmen that have gone in harm's way multiple times from Alabama in the last 20 years. I served with many of them. I, I, was, I was proud to be there. In fact, what, to tell you what's a funny story, when I first got to Baghdad for my second tour, I am, I'm literally uh, checking out the fob. I was on a very small fob in the middle of central Baghdad, and I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of walking the grounds. The whole thing would fit inside a, a football stadium. And... I'm walking the grounds, and over on the far side near one of the gates, there's somebody spray painted on the wall, Bama Boys. I'm like, what is that? And sure enough, there they were, a group of Alabama National Guardsmen, MPs, military policemen who were guarding the gates at uh, uh, what became Patrol Base Volunteer. 
in central Baghdad. All right, folks, we're going to a short break. We'll come back and we'll kind of wrap this segment up, start moving into other topics because we got we got two more hours of stuff. And I mean, I got paper. I got all the paper. I got things to tell you about that you're going to want to know, some here and some abroad. But um, it is uh, important that you stay tuned because this is your news. This is your show. This is your voice. We are here to make sure you are entertained, enlightened, and empowered, and literally that you have the ability to walk out the door after hearing Right Side Radio and have that water cooler conversation or stand up at a public meeting or do what's necessary to write a letter to the editor. Bunch of Right Side Ruffians. We'll be right back. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio. North Alabama is this one on the biggest news talk station across North Alabama. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Hey, just so you know, by the way, we're having T-shirts and coffee mugs made. Yeah, that's right. We got T-shirts being made, Right Side Radio logo, proud to be a Right Side Ruffian across the back of them. Coffee mugs saying pretty much the same thing. We're going to have that kind of swag out there for you in the near future, and uh, we'll tell you how you can get hold of it. Um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's interesting when we hear people in the, in the, in the audience that literally say, you know, they'll, they'll call in and say, Hey, Phil, uh, right side ruffian here. And then that just, I mean, that like gets all over me when that happens, uh, happened to my friend, Bobby, uh, who was, uh, uh, at a, uh, a local restaurant wearing a right side uh, shirt. And, uh, and this guy just walks by, he didn't even know and looks at him and says, uh, Hey, solid and conservative. And Bobby says, and just plain right. But uh, that's the kind of audience uh, that we're brewing, and uh, we're glad of it. Hey, listen, kind of wrapping up some of the Afghanistan stuff, and I say that because, I mean, I'm literally watching news alerts hit the TV as I am speaking. Um, in fact, I, I don't know that we're going to be able to get away from it uh, entirely throughout the show. I'll be coming back and forth to the issue. Uh, new things are happening. But right now, one of the things that happened for you Alabamians, you may want to know, uh, so Senator Tuberville, uh, our, our newest senator uh, in the state of Alabama, just slammed the so-called squad, you know, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Cory Bush, uh, Ayanna Presley, a um, bunch of knuckleheads. Anyway, slammed the squad for the fact that he could not hear one word about them on women's rights issues in Afghanistan. And he, and he said literally that um, it, there, there's nothing out there. They're just closed-mouthed in his words after the Taliban took control of the country. And, and here's the quote. He says, uh, Senator Tuberville, I have not heard one word from all of these women in the, in the squad in Congress saying anything about protecting the women of Afghanistan. You know, they're closed mouth right now. It doesn't fit their narrative. People ought to be sick of this. They really should be, but we'll work through this. And that was him talking on the Jeff Poor show. My buddy Jeff Poor uh, had that comment uh, from him uh, just recently. And, you know, it, it's, it's true. Uh, it doesn't fit their narrative. They recognize this is happening on a Democrat watch. If this had happened under President Trump, he would deserve, I mean, if this had happened the exact same way under President Trump, he would deserve the exact same level of criticism. He would, he would, he would deserve the exact same level of criticism. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, you know what? Yep. It, it's up on, so he made national news with this one. Um, that's pretty cool. My buddy Jeff Poor down at uh, 106.5 on the coast uh, used to be here with WVNN. He's also a Breitbart editor. Uh, yeah, my brother Jeff got an interview with uh, Senator Tuberville, and sure enough, it made uh, national news. 
uh, because the squad is nowhere to be seen. Hashtag me too, unless it uh, makes me uncomfortable, and then I won't. Um, so that's uh, that's that's just awful. Something else that just happened. Uh, Copper, do you ever hear about? The, are you familiar with the Northern Alliance? No. Okay, the Northern Alliance in Afghanistan. Um, in the years of the Taliban reign, before we went back in, the resistance that maintained throughout was led by a man named Ahmad Shah Massoud. And Massoud had what was called the Northern Alliance. And it was, you know, it was some tribal factions, but they, they maintained, they had a joint hate of the Taliban. And so they, they maintained the fight throughout the years. The Taliban were in charge. There was still a resistance war going on inside the country. And it was, it was the Northern Alliance were the good guys. Uh, so there's that for you. But um, interesting thing this morning, um, in the middle of all of this going on, uh, the Panjshir Valley was the uh, sort of the homeland of the Northern Alliance. Never could get in there. Every time they tried, they got their, their backsides handed to them. So the Panjshir Valley and then another area up in the north where I was uh, in an area called Badakhshan, um, Badakhshan and around Talakan, you look them up on the map, you'll see them in the northeastern part of the nation near the border with uh, China. But all said and done, the, the, the Northern Alliance held on for years. Well, this morning, Ahmad Shah Massoud, who was assassinated just before the invasion in 2001, Ahmad Shah Massoud's son rallied troops in the Panjshir Valley and raised the Northern Alliance flag. And the report that I saw from the Hindustan Times that I posted on my Twitter feed, the Hindustan Times reports that former Afghan National Army soldiers who hated the fact that they were forced to surrender have been flooding their way towards the Panjshir Valley to join the Northern Alliance and take the fight back to the Taliban for their country. That's going to be interesting, y'all. That's going to be interesting. And I hope they do. It started in the Panjshir Valley. And it's starting again in the Panjshir Valley. And when I was there, we actually drove around with a picture of Massoud in the front windshield of our vehicles to show the, the folks that we were uh, aligned with the former Northern Alliance. And the guys that I worked with, like General Daoud, had been a Northern Alliance fighter. Um, so I'm just going to tell you, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch the days to come. It's like we've hit back to 1999. Uh, as like the last 20 years almost didn't happen. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM. Top of the hour. We'll be back after this.